right, here's what we're going to do. I want you to put your hand over your heart and, and prepare yourself. Because we're not going to settle for anything less than God's best. Amen? Amen? So, Cole, I want you to put up Luke, the 18th chapter, verse 1. And if you pray in the Spirit, you have that heavenly language, I want you to go ahead quietly within yourself. Build yourself up right now. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. Go ahead and build yourself up. Stir yourself up in your heart. And as you're doing that, I want you to look at this verse of Scripture. And it says, And I speak, and he spoke a parable unto them to this end, that men, say men, say men, stir yourself up. For men ought to always, always, say always, to pray and not faint. I want you to take that scripture and I want you to speak it to yourself. Men, women, daughters of God, sons of God. It's our reasonable service. It is our duty to believe God and not lose heart. That's the duty given to us. That's the reasonable service that he gave us. We're not weak. We're not falling away. We're strong in him and the power of his might. So he's saying in Romans 12, this is your reasonable service. This is your duty, church, that you'd pray like men, strong, and not lose heart. So what I want you to do is begin to pray that over yourself for a few moments as I'm saying that. Men ought to always pray. That's me. Say, I'm a man. I'm a woman of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. And this is my reasonable service to you, Lord Jesus. That I'm not to lose heart. No matter what the environment is, the situation looks like. I'm never moved by environment. Neither are you. We're all responsible to Jesus that lives in us. Tell yourself, I'm not moved by the environment. I'm not moved by what's going on outside and around me. Only one person has the authority to move me, and that's the Son of God. And He moves me within, not environment without. He moves me within. And He moves us to stand not for ourselves, on His behalf. Will you tell that to the Lord from your heart? I stir myself. I shake myself. I awaken myself. I'm a man of God. I'm a daughter of God. And I'm not losing heart in anything. And as you're preparing your heart, Cole, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 18, the 19th verse. When it comes about faith, you feel nothing most of the time. Real faith, real Bible faith feels not a single thing. But it believes the integrity of God and who He is and what He said, regardless of every single feeling that you and I have. See, that's real faith. The God kind of faith. When nothing looks like it's happening, all the more we're believing, standing. When the things aren't the unseen, by our believing, become seen. Amen? Amen? And again, I say unto you, Jesus, this is what Jesus is saying. That if two of you shall agree, say agree. agree. Say agreement. agreement. When I read that scripture, that word jumps out to me. Agreement has more meaning than I ever thought. And I was reading that scripture and the spirit of, of the writing and the writer comes into me and says agreement. Craig, agreement's a covenant word. It's not just nodding your head. Agreement comes from a covenant word. 
where two or more agree. That's a covenant saying. Then I started reflecting and I said, you know, when we, we shake hands nowadays, we lost the meaning. I remember years ago being a young man of God and Dr. Charles, whatever in Africa, I forgot his last name. He talked about the blood covenant. And I said, where did handshaking come from? And they used to cut their hands in blood. He cut his and I cut mine. And we say, I agree. It's agreed. And I'm not breaking the agreement unless I die or you die, this, this remains. That's agreement. We've got to stir ourselves up to the Word of God and the way that it really is, not how religion's made it so weak and pathetic. Amen. Agreement is a covenant phrase yes. where two or more agree. Shed blood, put your hand on it. Where two or more agree. Listen to what Beth was speaking. You've got to marry this thing. That's covenant talk. She said last week, you get a decision. You know the will of God. You've got to marry that will. You've got to get an agreement. You gotta, it's a blood covenant. And we have that with Jesus, right? But we have that with each other. And when you say, I agree, your word is your bond. When someone says something, will you agree with me? Let that sound be different in your heart and mind. That that's covenant. I'm not letting go. You're not letting go. Unless you die or I die, this thing goes. Say covenant. Say, God, I'm changing my paradigm about agreement. It's a covenant of blood. Where two of you shall agree. Say agreement. On earth. Say right here on earth. And I want to wake you up. Heaven's getting closer to earth every day. Time is running out, man. I'm telling you straight up. Heaven's getting closer to earth every day. That's why things are going so chaotic. His kingdom's coming closer and closer every day. Closer and closer than when we first believed. His kingdom is coming closer and closer and is appearing. Where two or more agree is touching anything on earth. Say on earth. Say that's where I'm at. That they shall ask. Say ask. It shall. Say shall. Say it shall. Say it shall. It shall be done. It shall happen for them of my Father which is in heaven. I want you to turn around and I want you to make some agreements. Say, what are you agreeing with? I'm in agreement with you. And don't be sheepish and don't be pretentious and don't be religious for God's sake. Say, man, when I say you, you got my word, when I say you got my word and I'm with you in this, I'm not breaking the agreement. You can guarantee that. You can guarantee that. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, what, you, what is it you want to agree on? And I'm putting the hand to that agreement. I'm putting the yes to that agreement. I'm putting the amen to that agreement. With you and your life. With you and your relationship. With you and your husband, your wife. Whatever it is. With you and that healing that you've been believing. I'm in agreement. And I'm not breaking that. That's a covenant. See, this is not, this is the Bible. The God of the Bible. How he communicates to us. So when you grab that hand, turn to your neighbor, find him, say, what are you agreeing on? You know what? I don't care where it is. Well, I want to know the will of God. I want more direction. I need healing. I need this. I'm, I'm already believing God. Will you agree with me for this? Will you agree with me for that? Just turn and find someone to agree with right now on earth. And when you say that, you stretch your hand and you add the amen. Say, I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree with you. Tyler.
Tyler, go agree with Pookie, whatever he needs. Marco, you can go with them too. You got no guys? Go over there. You use your faith. Have faith in God. We know that. Amen. Faith is believing God regardless of the environment. Faith is believing God when you feel nothing but just because his word, his contract, his bond, his scriptures that can't be broken say to you. You add the amen to that. Father, we, we're agreeers on earth. And we agree with your written words and we agree with you. That your word does prevail. In every single life here. In every single person here. And even today, Lord, no matter what the environment and the happenings of the unseen, we believe you, Lord, we're here. You said that your sons and daughters, their reasonable service and their duty is to stand in, to stand for, and to stand on your words, on your behalf. So we do that today. And we say to Satan, the Lord rebuke you and we rebuke you with all authority, even today, out of this place. We rebuke you with all authority out of this place by the authorization and the delegation of Jesus right now. Leave this house. 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 Leave this house right now. For we submit ourselves to God, the living God, the most high God, that keeps covenant and shows mercy to a thousand generations. And we submit ourselves to God and we resist. We resist you, devil of depression discouragement, doubt, fear, unbelief. We command you to leave this place today. And we release God's heaven. And we release the glory of his presence. And we release his loving kindness. And we release his notable presence right now in this house. We release the kingdom of God. We release the kingdom of God. The kingdom of our God and of his Christ. We release the spirit of life. The spirit of love. The spirit of kindness. We release that by the authorization in the name of Jesus right now. And lift your hands to them right now. Lift your hands to them. Say, I receive of the kingdom of God today. For we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We are receiving. We're born of God and we have life in God. The God who quickens the dead things and makes things alive. Who calls things which be not as though they are until they are. Your word is sure. And Lord, we welcome your presence, and we release it in this house. And you begin to move right now, and you begin to touch right now, and you begin to saturate and soak your sons and daughters right now. As their hearts are surrendered, as their hands are raised, we welcome you, King Jesus. We welcome you, King Jesus. We welcome you right now. Receive that breath of life, that breath of God. The one who bears every single thing cast the care of it over into him and receive that breath of life this morning receive that refreshing that refreshing and that breathing of God right now between you and him forget about what things look like and remind yourself of what he said who he is what he's done Lord, we worship you this morning. And we're not satisfied till you're satisfied. 
Until you're fulfilled, then we're fulfilled. So we're worshipers, God. We're here for you. And we worship the Lord unto him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. We give glory. We give honor. We give respect. That's do your name. We're your men. We're, we're your sons. We're your daughters that are praying always and not fainting and losing heart in anything. We're your Daniels that are not uncomfortable with standing in the fires. We're your Daniels, not uncomfortable with standing in the fires. Looking for the appearing of that fourth man in our situation. We're not afraid of where we're standing. We're not afraid when it gets hot. We're your Daniels standing in that den. Standing in that fire with that fourth man. Always appearing. Always appearing. tell the Lord I'm your Daniel. Will you tell him I'm your Daniel. And I'm not uncomfortable in these fires. I'm not uncomfortable in this furnace. I'm not bowing and I'm not burning. There's come a fourth man in my situation. And I'm not breaking rank and I'm not the guy who's quitting. I'm going to see your salvation in this situation. Amen. Why don't you give me First Peter, Cole? First Peter. And Lord, we wait on you right now. We wait in heart. And it's my heart, my desire, not to move by nothing reactionary. Not by environment, not by senses, not by outward senses, but only representing you. So grab my heart and grip it and turn it the way you want today. That I'm not moved by environment. I'm moved by the expressing and the representation. Tell the Lord, I'm not a, a reactor. I'm not reactionary. I'm proactive. I'm acting proactive. I'm not reacting. I spent too much time repenting in my early years of teaching out of the Word of God out of reactionary situations and getting dealt with severely with God. Till now I'm at the point, I won't do that. I'm only going to express him. I'm going to do it proactive. I'm going to do what he's saying in spite of what it looks like. Yeah, it's hard on your soul, but say that's how you grow. He's God. Say he's God. And we're waking up. Say you're waking up to the inward Christ that's in you. He's not a fable, Peter said. He lives in us. And Paul's telling us by his epistles, now that you are in Christ Jesus. Say, I'm in Christ Jesus. I'm remaining in that position. And he said, you're in the spirit. And you got the witness of being a child of God, being a son and daughter of God. Amen? Say, I move by that. I move by the inner witness. 
trying to get this generation to awaken, awaken to God's realities. Though they've been marred a lot by religious tradition and thinking, say he's still God. So I'm so thankful for the word of God. I'm so thankful that there was apostles that write by the inspiration of God's spirit. I'm so happy it anchors me in his realness. Amen. Go throw up John 16:33 real quick. I just want to get you in the zone here. I've had a lot of uh, different calls during the week and, and uh, seen different things breaking out on the left and the right and situations and environment. And I appreciate you helping me out here a little bit today. And I had some people call and, and they began to tell me, you know, uh, man, that things are real difficult right now and things are real tough and, and, and this and that and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm this, I'm, str- I'm struggling here and all that and and uh, I, I begin to unfold some things to them, and, and I want to help you out with them. Maybe it helps you out. 1633, Cole. Amplified. Let's read it together. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. Say confidence. In the world you have tribulations, trials, distresses, and frustrations. Say and frustrations. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident. Certain. Undaunted. For I have overcome the world. And I have deprived it of the power to harm you. And I have conquered it for you. Tell your neighbor, he conquered it for me. Tribulations, trials, they're not unusual things to God's people. Say it's not an unusual thing. It's not unusual that I go through trials and situations. The Apostle Peter said it's for the proving, say proving, proving of our faith. The Darby translation says proving faith, say proving faith. And I'm trying to strengthen all those around me that are going through those things and tell them, don't think it's strange. Don't think it a strange thing, the thing you're going through. Don't think it a strange thing. The very day I gave my life to Jesus, from that moment on, everything was a war. It was an upward battle. It's going upward. It's going against the stream of society, against the environments, against the philosophies, Paul said, against the reasoning and the thinkings of all this earth. So don't think it a strange thing, what you're going through right now. Say, it's the proving of my faith. Let's go to First Peter again. So I was talking to this, a, a young person and then an older person and and I learned this in the years. Storms come. Say storms come. Winds come. Jesus said that. And then he illustrated. I was reading and telling them. John 6, it talks about a storm that, that came up. And I don't know what verse it's in. Maybe someone does and they could tell me. But John 6, Jesus is he's on a shore and he's praying. And it's getting nighttime and he's on that shore alone praying. And, and the disciples are out on the boat. Say they're out on the boat. Say, that's you and me. We're in that boat. We're in the position that he told us to be in. We're in that position of God. We're in that placing of God, where we should be. Say, where I should be. Out there in the boat, and it says a storm rose up. Does anybody know where that's at? If not, I'll, I'll find it. Huh? Verse 16. Go ahead and read it for me.
Yes. That's perfect. That's perfect. And there's times in our lives when we're all going to face storms. Tell your neighbor, you're going to face some storms. It's just real life. It's real Christianity. It's real. It's not cotton candy, but it's real. And in that particular verse, and I remember when I started out, it was a John 6. A lot of times when you're a new believer and you're doing what the Lord told you to do and you're in that boat and it says in that translation that the winds begin to arise. Say arise. Those were unseen winds. Say unseen. Every time Jesus dealt with the winds, he addressed them. In John 6, he showed us that he treaded on the seas that were rough. He was telling us as new believers, behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Luke 10, 19. And nothing shall by any means hurt you, harm you. I'm showing you that, church. I'm showing you that, disciple. I'm showing you that, new believer. I told you to get in the boat, and that unseen force called Satan, say Satan, say darkness, arose in the seas. And then he began to, in the winds, and the Lord said, I'm going to show you guys something. Don't worry right now. You're not really using your faith, but I'm going to show you. This is what I do. I walk on every storm that you're facing so you don't panic. And when I get with you and I join you, you're going to go to the shore immediately. You ever done that? I have in my new walk. My first thing, I'm crying out to God. God, I don't understand. God, I'm, God this, God that. And, and Jesus is walking on that boat, and immediately I'm out of that trial. And I don't even know how I got out of it. Say, that's a new believer. It'd be nice to have those every so often now as old jokers. <laughs> but that's a new believer. He, and he taught, and he illustrated. Put Luke ten nineteen up there for me, Cole. And he said, this is what I'm doing, new believer. This is what I'm doing. Church, I'm showing you. I tread on that unseen wind that Satan created. I'm treading on it. Because I'm going to show you. Behold, I've given you authority. I want the, there you go. And power. Let's read it together. Behold, I've given you authority and power to trample upon. Say trample upon. Serpents and scorpions. Physical. Say physical. And mental strength and ability over all the power that the enemy possesses, church. And nothing shall any, any way harm you, church. Tell your neighbor. you got power to tread on some things. Jesus illustrated that through that first storm. He said, look, look, look what I do. Satan's here, and I'm, I'm walking on him. I'm, I'm treading on him. You're going to do the same thing. So as a new believer, maybe you, you, Jesus joins your boat, and you get to the shore immediately. You don't even go through the trial very long, and thank God for God. Thank God for grace. Amen? But there's other winds and storms in Mark chapter 4. I was communicating to these guys. And on that one, on Mark 4, and Tom will probably find it as I'm talking, it's, it's another storm. Say another storm. Another wind. Another unseen force behind that wind. Another unseen force behind that swelling sea. But this time Jesus is in the boat, seemingly asleep. And maybe that's where you are in your progression of faith and walk with God. First time he did everything for you. You didn't even do anything but cry out. Say, Lord, I'm afraid. And he said, I'm right here. Here, I'm going to show you. And then he got you to shore. Maybe that happens for you. Maybe you're in the next level of progression. And no, he's in the boat with you in Mark 4. And that winds are starting to arise. And you're saying, where is he? Wait, are he sleeping? Doesn't he care? I'm in this big, huge storm. But he's resting? You've got to be kidding me. Cole, if you can find that, or Tom, you can tell Cole how to find it. Matter of fact, every time I quote a scripture, you get it, you feed it to him, will you? Thank you. That saved me a headache. 
Mark 4, verse 25, you said, Tom? 35. And you can read that at home. And then the storm began to happen. One, on that same day, say same day. When evening had come, it's always dark when these things begin to happen in your life. And he said to them, let us go over to the other side. Did you hear what he said? Let us go over to the other side. He's not done with you and I. He's got purpose in your life and in my life. And when he said you're going on and you're going over, guess what? We are, regardless of how it looks and feels in our moment, in that boisterous wind, in that breathing of Satan, in those threatenings. And leaving the throng, they took him just as he was in the boat in which he was sitting on the other boat were with him. The other boats were with him. And a furious, say a furious storm. You ever been in those? A furious storm? Hearing different people telling me that through the week. I'm in a furious storm. And some of them are new and I'm saying that. Don't panic, kid. He's going to walk on your water in John 6. You're going to go back there immediately. Don't worry about it. But no, other ones are in this place of the proving of their faith. Say proving. Progressing in your faith. That's what Peter said. Don't think it a strange thing. When you're in these fires, it's for proving. I, I liked hearing something in prayer last night that Arthur said. I, I rejoiced in my heart. And he said something to this effect. And I try to quote things accurately and I don't always get it. But the gist is this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the place I'm in right now. Thank you for the position that I'm in right now. Thank you for this place. Thank you, so to speak, for this situation that I'm in. Not for the situation, but where I'm in and I'm, that what I'm learning of you. In this process of proving faith. Kind of close what you said? And it arose and the waves kept beating into the boat. A furious storm of wind. Say wind. Say it's an unseen force on every one of these scriptures. The unseen force is darkness and Satan. Of a hurricane proportion. And it arose and the waves kept beating into the boat. You ever got that? Your boat feels beaten. So that it was already becoming filled. And some people, that's where they start panicking. They, man, they go, hey, okay, when I was young, Jesus came out and rescued me. And I got to the island, back to the land suddenly. But no, it's not this time. I guess he's asking me to use my faith. Say, use your faith. I guess he's prompting me because he's sleeping and he's wanting me to do something. Amen? But he himself was in the stern of the boat asleep on the leather cushion. And they awoke him. And said to him, Master, do you not care that we are perishing? And Jesus said before that started, you're going over there. I'm not done. We're going to the other side, right? So he goes to sleep and rest. Because he believes what he says is happening. But they didn't hear that. They didn't listen to that maybe. So they started crying out, don't you care? And he arose. Say he arose. And once again, he teaches us. When the boat is hammered and your boat feels like it's sinking beaten up and you're saying instead of saying we're going on over to the other side and agree remember what agreement means it's a covenant word it's not just i agree it's i got blood you got blood join the blood we're in agreement sorry to me scratch your finger if i did all right i'm in agreement right i'm agreeing with god's word say i'm agreeing we got a covenant with god a better covenant a real covenant and we have that where two or more agree with each other. I agree. And I'm not coming out of agreement until we win this or till we die. One of the two. But I'm not breaking the agreement. 
And he said, and he said, he, he arose, say Jesus arose. And he rebuked the wind. He rebuked the wind. Tell your neighbor, he spoke to the wind. He said something to the wind. It wasn't just a bad day. He was speaking and addressing an entity behind that wind, an unseen force behind that wind, an unseen force in the situation that you're facing. And he said to the sea, he rebuked the wind. He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, hush now, be still, be muzzled. Or one Greek run out, shut up and hold your peace. That works for me. <laughs> That's an unsanctified area. And the wind ceased, say it ceased. Sank to rest. What, what happened? The wind behind that sea, that evil entity left. And what happened to the sea? It came right back to its normalcy. Sometimes you've got to recognize who's breathing that wind into your head. Who's breathing that wind through your friend. That's causing you to toss and turn. Amen? Say we're an agreeing people. Not a one of us are going to breathe any kind of wind of unbelief to another brother in this house. I've learned years ago as a leader and as, and as an elder, I don't tell people what to do. I ask them, where can I agree with you? And they tell me, this is what I believe God has said. I'm, then I say to them, I join your agreement and I'm not breaking it. Don't you break it until it comes to pass. I don't tell them that. I don't tell them, do that. Do this. Do that. You meet them where their faith is at. What do you desire, Jesus said? What is it you want? And they say, well, I really, I really want this. I can do this. I just want to do this and go home. I agree with you. So be it. It's happening according to your faith. So be it. I'm in agreement with you. Say agreement. Tell your neighbor, agreement's taking a whole other light for me today. And I'm going to ask people in their battles, I'm going to join them. What are you agreeing on? I'm agreeing for, they tell you, a miracle. A whole creative miracle. Join their faith. Don't tell them they can't do it. Don't tell them they can't do it. Agree with them and don't break the agreement. Amen? I know there's always going to be people who say, well, you know, you got to instruct. I'm not saying you don't instruct people. I'm just saying when you're talking faith, meet them there. Don't change their views. Don't be Job's comforter. Carmen said, I want to know the will of God specifically. I'm going to say, no, do it nominally. No way. I'm grabbing her hand and saying, I'm agreeing. So be it. It's your faith. Let's do this. Amen? And it sank to rest as if exhausted by its, by its beating. Oh, I like that. Sank to rest as if exhausted by its beating. One minute we look beat up. Next minute it's beat up. Wow. And there was immediately a great calm. Whew. Calm, right? A perfect peacefulness. Peacefulness. Perfect. Say it's perfect peace. Tranquility. Oneness of soul and spirit. So that's the second storm. Say, so maybe, and this fiery thing, the proving of your faith, you've got to use your faith a little bit, right? Huh? Maybe you're going to have to be in there when everything looks bad. But nevertheless, the Lord is always there, right? Rescuing on the situation. And then Ephesians 4, you, you don't have to go there on this one. There's a lot of winds, Paul says. Oh, maybe you do, Tom. Maybe it'll help out. Ephesians 4, maybe 13, maybe 10, 11, 13. I don't know. Yes, it is. So there's these winds that Satan always starts doing. You just got to know where you're at. But the bottom line is, you're not uncomfortable 
in that lion's den. You're not uncomfortable in that fiery furnace either. Because you know there's a fourth man with you. And you know there's a happening of God if you don't break. Amen? And he keeps us from doing that. You're going to see good news in a minute. It's not in your own strength. Peter was unfolding the revelation. These apostles, awesome words. And he talks about having our faith. He said, we're kept. Say kept. We're guarded. Say guarded. Protected. Say protected. That word is a military term. We're protected by the power of God and kept by faith. He does his part. We do our part. He does his part. We do our part. Amen. That's good news to me. So then, say it with me. So then, we may no longer be children. Say no longer children. Not a single young person that's born again is going to remain as a child. Not a single one. First, that which is natural. Look at every child Joseph here has had. Do you think it stayed not walking? It grew. That's the normal Christian life. It's abnormal that we only have a faith, though it's a blessed thing just for forgiveness. Oh, I thank God. My faith says I'm forgiven. That's great. But you're not going to stop there. The next level of faith for you is not only am I forgiven, I've been born again. Wow, something happened in here. Not only that, I'm a partaker of a divine nature. The very nature of my Father lives in me. Right? The next level of faith, to faith, to faith, progression. Say progression. So then, we may no longer be children tossed like ships. Say tossed like ships. To and fro, banged around, right? By the chance gust of teachings. Have you ever been moved by teachings? I, I was when I was younger. All this crazy doctrinal teaching. Well, this guy says this, and this one says that, and this one says that. And as if you're a young guy, you're being tossed by a wind. And guess who's behind that wind? It's a religious wind, but guess who's behind it? Huh? Don't be afraid to say it. The, the devil, she said, the devil, Diablo, Satan. Huh? Don't be afraid. <laughs> tossed like ships to and fro between gusts of teaching and wavering. With every changing wind of doctrine. You can always see that. And when you've been around for a little while, like a lot of guys, so many years, you see these young guys. And if they're not going to let themselves progress in God, they're going to be bounced around to every conference, bounced around to every appearing, bounced around saying, Lo, Jesus is here. No, Lo, he's there. Bounced around by every teacher and not being rooted and grounded in sound. Amen? Don't be afraid to say amen. It's true whether you do or not. It's, it's true. To and fro between the chance gust of teaching and wavering with every change of doctrine. The prey of the cunning and cleverness, say cleverness, of unscrupulous men, gamblers, engaged in every shifting form of trickery in inventing errors to mislead. Say, I'm not blown by any wind. Wind number one, right? I'm not blown by it. I'm to walk on it. Jesus illustrated that for me. He said, I give you power to tread on it. I'm going to walk on it. I'm not getting underneath it. I'm going to walk on it, right? Storm number two. Beaten down, thinking he's not caring. Don't buy into that wind and lie. He's right there. He's always there. He never leaves or forsakes. Don't buy in to the lies of that wind. Last one. Get around some equipping men. I'm talking about men that have been through some things. Not novices that just opened a Bible yesterday. Get around some men that have some fortitude, some strength. Some seasoning. That happens in years. Say years. Are you listening to me? Those are the winds, right? 
So let's go back to 1 Peter. First Peter chapter one. If Cole's already there, I'll just read it. All right. I, I want to teach on it, but I'm weighing it out whether I just go right to the seventh verse. But let's just go ahead and go through it. Peter, an apostle, a special messenger of Jesus Christ, written to the elect. Say the elect. Tell your neighbor you're elected. He said to the exiles, that word in every other translation, to the sojourners, I write these things to the pilgrims. I write these things to the aliens. He's saying in the Greek, I write to you guys who are believers because you're in this world, but you're not of this world anymore. You're visitors here, but you're not living the way they live here. Say, say I'm an alien. I don't live in uh, New Mexico. But you've got to have that mindset. You're just visiting here. Ever since I moved to Crane, I moved to Crane, but I'm not of Crane. I'm of him in Crane. That's what you are. Say, that's who you are. Sojourner, a pilgrim, a visitor. It, it denotes, I'm not a permanent stayer here. I belong to God. And i got a different home I'm headed for. But while I'm here... Right? I'm going to read it out of this translation so you get it a little bit. Alien. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, of those who reside as aliens, scattered. Say, say scattered abroad. And that's what happened here. And Peter was talking to this group here. They were scattered everywhere. But he's saying, remind you, you're sojourners. You're, you're pilgrims. You're not here forever. You're here for God, not here for yourself. Right? And he says, uh, who are chosen, who are chosen, verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Say foreknowledge. Predestination. Say predestination. Preordained will of God. We're, we're touching those, those matters here. We're, we're going into those matters here. I was talking to, to Bruce the other day, and I was telling him uh, how I enjoyed Sunday so much, seeing the body of Christ and different members in particular coming with this, what we used to call the term showbread or basically their life situation with life in it. And Bonnie, I told him how she came up and began to say, listen, God said this for my life. This is the will of God. It's the mystery, say the mystery, of the hidden will of God, Paul said. But that's been revealed to us. That nothing's hidden. That wisdom is revealed to her. And she says, I have been forced all my life by my uh, relatives and all that to have my identity in my degree. But God's saying, not this time. He's saying, my, my identity is in Him. And she fought that, man. And, that, and I told him, I haven't heard that sound, Bruce. We were raised around that sound. But it was a healthy sound for the next generation. That there is a will of God that's worth it. That you're willing to give up some things naturally. And endure some persecutions from family members and everyone else to hold fast to the will of God. I said, that's a beautiful thing. And he goes, that's funny. I said, and then Arthur came up and he began to unfold a, 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 a tissue. And he began to unveil it and said, man, on the situation I'm in, I want you to know I'm learning some things. Thanks be to God. Say learning. See, he said, we learn Christ. We're to walk in him by learning. And we only learn when we're in that situation. And he began to learn. He said, listen, this is what I'm learning. And he unfolded it. 
I'm learning that right now I got to live in the moment. I got to live for today, for tomorrow has enough in itself. I can't pre plan anything. I got to live right now. That's God revealing, right? Then Beth comes running up here, blowing that sound, saying, Listen, I'm rejoicing over this next generation. But next generation, you got to know marriage, you got to know covenant, you got to know commitment. You got to know that it doesn't feel a certain way all the time. You got to be joined to God and joined to the will of God and joined to each other. You got to get married. She was calling a call. Listen, bride, get married. It's time to get married. Kind of be in a covenant with God. Amen. And she began to prophesy that. And I heard the sound. And I, yeah, thank God. Thank him. It's the will of God. And that's how this thing really works. That's how it really works. And Bruce said, funny, man. He goes, I feel like we're on the same wavelength that I was teaching out of Ruth about a kisser and a cleaver. And that when she cleaved, she was the one that got the inheritance. Say, I'm a cleaver. And I said, yeah, it's the will of God. And I said, you know what's exciting, Bruce? Philippians 2.13. You can put it up there for me. You're going to go back, Cole. You're going to work today. Drink some coffee up there. Philippians 2.13 in the Amplified. And I'll quote it while he's finding it. No, I won't. He's fast. Now... Not in your own strength. Say, not in your own strength. You got to get this. I want you to catch it because it's going to do something for you. Today's a day of equipping and catching things. Not in your own strength, for it is God. Let's read it together, but personalize it. Not in my own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in me, energizing and creating in me the power and the desire, both, say both, to will and to work. For his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. To will and to do, right? And I was telling Bruce, man, we've spent so much time with the inner will of God. Where God's working it in us and working it in us. And some of us go there faster. And, and part of the inner working of the inner will is, here's the will of God, Carmen. Here's who you marry, Carmen. Here's who you're with, Carmen. Will you drink that cup? And then she, she says, well, I'm not sure, maybe innocently, or I'm not sure. No, I'll drink any cup. It's the will of God. It's the length that we take to drink that cup is how far we go down the road with him. So sometimes you spend a long time, you know, uh, once you get the will, you struggle. Go, well, is this the cup? And we all battle the second thought. After we say something, yeah, it's the will of God. I'm never going. I'm, God told me not to go to school. You go home two days later, second thinking, what are you thinking? Are you crazy? Second thought happens to all of us. This is the guy that God shows up. Here's the cup. This is my will. And we go, yeah, man, I want to drink. And then the next day we don't feel it. We're like, can we hold that for a second? Well, and then he's saying, and, and it keeps coming in front of us until we drink that cup. Then we progress. Say, I progress. So I was telling Bruce, sometimes it's always so long in the inner will, working in us, working in us. Say, working in us. The will of God. And then the next phase, we get out of Gethsemane, and we go, man, I was sweating in there, but I finally swallowed it all, God. It, it was a tough pill for me to swallow, because I wanted to be somebody like this and do that. And maybe I had some human honor I wanted, but I got to drink that cup and, and be your nobody for a while? Are you kidding me? That's a hard death to die for us human beings. Jesus said, how can you believe if you crave human honor? It's a hard one. Guess what, though? We all drink it. We all do. And then the next phase, he gets out of Gethsemane. Say, inner will, working. Then he tells us, take up a cross, and you're going to die on it. And you guys that want to stay out there in the Passover, well, he died on it for me. Well, there's another level of the cross, that you die on it, I die on it. 
Yeah, I know redemption, he paid it all. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about growth in God. That you take up your cross and you follow. And yeah, he tells you, yeah, hang on it, okay? Die to this ambition. Die to that. And the quicker you die to it, the faster you're going to experience my resurrection in a real way. Transformation, huh? So I was telling them, so I'm kind of happy that people are drinking the cup. They're hanging on the cross. The faster they die, the faster they're resurrected. And they get to the outward will where they're actually doing it. Doing it. Say doing it. He works in me both to will, creating that will, but he gets me out there to do that will. To do that will. Now I'm walking in it. Now I'm living in it. You, he, he tells you yesterday, now I'm walking in it. I'm not panicking anymore. I drank that cup. I was saying I want to know, show me everything, project my future. No, I drank the cup. I'm okay with it now. Now I walk in it. It's like a lifestyle. She, she lets it go. You know, maybe a parent or somebody comes up and breathes that wind. Are you crazy? That degree is everything. That's not what Paul said. He said, you know what? All my certifications. And I, hey, listen, I, I don't have to apologize. If God told you to go to school, you obey him. That's as much the will of God as not going. I'm talking about the will of God. So don't get carnal with me. If he told you to go to school, finish it. Be a good steward. Do it with excellence. But if he told you not to, and you know that so... Then you die to all that. And that man, what a work of God. Ambition, identification. And Paul said, you know what, all that certification, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, I was a scholar of scholars. And you know what, I think about it anymore in the surpassing connection with Christ, I think it's all dung. I think it's all caca. I think it's all poop for some of you that it just got scared. And he said, because I want to be found in him. And I want my identity to be him. And that's not a small thing. Right? But that's a, that's a big one. Anyway, I, I'm, I was so appreciative in, in communicating that to him. And, and that speaks volumes to what Christianity really is like. See, because most of the stuff that you see nowadays, it's like, I receive Jesus and I do whatever I want for the rest of my life and one day I go to heaven. That's just not the gospel. No, that's not the gospel of Jesus. Maybe you receive forgiveness and I'm thankful that you're going to heaven. But man, it doesn't stop there. I was telling Anna, it's impossible to be born again and and camp out somewhere. It's impossible to do that because you've got the power of an endless life in you and that life is born to progress. It's made to go. It's made to increase. And if sometimes you, if you backslide and you, you're not in Christ but you're always of Christ, tell your neighbor, I'm always of Christ if I'm born again. I'm always of Christ. Just like I'm, uh, if, if you're part of somebody's family, they're always your daughter. They're always your son. They still belong to you but they're not in your family at the moment, not in that fellowship at the moment but they're still your kid. Huh? So if that's been you and you've, you've been of Christ, but you need to get back in Christ, every head bowed, every eye closed, it's time. Say, I got to get in Christ. I, I know I'm in the family. I know I'm going to heaven. I know God's with me and I, I'm a part of the family, but I haven't been in him or in the family in a long time. I need to get back in that vital place and that vital position. If you want to raise your hand and say, today's the day. What a beautiful day to start it. Say, I have time to get in Christ, not just in theory or, you know, in a family. Just raise your hand. No one's looking. I say, okay. All right. Lord, those that raise their hand, I pray right now that they, by raising their hand, just make that shift. They're already born again. They already are. They already have known you in that area. But now they're placing themselves in a living, vital relationship in you once again. So I agree with them and rejoice with them in that situation. Amen. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. And we are chosen. Say we're chosen. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Predestined will. Predestination. By the sanctifying work of the Spirit. I want you to circle that, right? 
The operation of the Father, the foreknowledge, the preordained, the operation of the Father, the sanctification of the Spirit, say the Spirit, and the obeying of Jesus Christ by the sprinkling with His blood. Do you not see something there? Do you see His operation, Father's plan? Do you see who's carrying some of that out? The Spirit of God sanctifying, say sanctifying. That means cleaning up some things. That means setting apart some things. And then he says, by the redeeming blood, that sprinkling blood, that Jesus paid it all, right? But the Spirit sanctifying. Say he's sanctifying. He's setting apart our lives the moment we received him. I want you to get this for soundness. Acts chapter 2, verse 44. You've seen Peter preach that gospel there. And men, he said, repent. And men repented. Men were baptized. They baptized. And at the end of all that, this is what he said to that group. And all who believed, say all who believed. They weren't just baptized. They weren't just that, right? They did all that. That's the normal Christian life. Say it's normal. And if you haven't been baptized, I want you to talk to Arthur after service. It's the next level of your obedience to God. It's the next level of discipleship with Jesus. Water baptism, saying, you know what? I know I'm going to heaven right now. I've accepted eternal life in Jesus. But water baptism is that next step of discipleship where I'm immersed and I'm laying down my old life and I'm considering it dead and never live again. I'm buried. That guy's terminated. No longer I. No longer old creation. No longer anything in Adam. But I raise up in Christ right now from now on. In a new man. Say new man. In a new creation. So if you haven't been water baptized and you've been here and you've accepted the Lord and it's been a while, it's time to get water baptized. But after that, he said this, Peter, same message, same time. And all who believed, say all who believed, and adhered and trusted and relied on Jesus Christ were united and together. They had everything in common. That's not the verse I'm looking for. Maybe it's 33. But he said is this. He stood up after he preached and he said, now I want you guys to come out of a crooked and a perverse generation. I want you to come out. From that thing. Not stay in there, right? Is that, you know where it's at, Tom? Who? Yeah, it's, maybe it's 40 even. Try 40. And Peter saw me and earnestly witnessing, witness, testifying and admonishing, exhorted with much continuous speaking and warned and reproved and advised and encouraged them, saying, Be saved. Say, Be saved. That word is like sanctified, a full salvation for every Christian. Say every Christian. Nobody stays singing kumbaya. They all go on. And they went on to be baptized. They received him. They went on to be baptized in him. And they went on, and he said, encouraging them, saying, be safe from this crooked, say crooked, and perverse, wicked, and unjust generation. He said, come out of it. And that's what he's telling us all the moment we received him. He's saying, progress, sanctification by the Spirit. By the Spirit, I'm going to bring you out. Come out from that. You're not a part of that. You're in this world, but not of it. You're only in that world to bring people to me. You're to love people into me. But you that name my name, come out of that. Don't be that hipster. Well, I'm just so hip. I'm just, I'm just so hip. I'm going to look like all the people and, and dress like all of them. And I'm going to use my charisma. And I'm going to use all that. That's not Christ. And I pray that this next generation doesn't fall to that. Because the governor and tutors I was under, the moment I got saved, they said, lose your life and find his. So I gave my life to Jesus. 
and I started losing mine. That's Christianity, right? And then when God started dealing with me on different other areas and anything that I had idols on, I laid them all down. Right? Say, that's Christianity. And you know what? I'll tell you, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm not boasting anything with the Lord. I got charisma. God gave it to me. But I don't lean on it. He said, go ahead. I gave you personality. But you're not, that doesn't win people to God. That just hooks them. Yeah, so uh, all these young guys, and I, I talk to young guys and, and the novice guys, all, they, they, they get drunk on charisma. And God said, no, I gave that to you. You were born with that. But you've got to have inner life to change people around you. It's not your charisma. That's part of your personality. So when God, you know, I got a sense of humor. God does too. But I only allow that to happen when he's not happening. Make sense? So you can't identify with all those things. You identify with him only. You'd be surprised how many people in, in, the, in the generation that are into just, you know, I'm this, I'm this hip happening thing, man. That's not, there's no more life in that than I'm a kangaroo. I know. Don't shout me down. What are you talking about, Craig? Oh, you make it so hard. No, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It really is. Thank God it is, right? Thank God it is. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Say, you're on my, I'm on my way. And listen, the more we water it down, the more we do that stuff, the less people's lives change. I won't do it. I'm not doing it. Don't you do that. Amen? So when he's telling you to come out of certain things, you come out of them. Right? That's what you do. Say, that's Christianity. Thank God. I know. People get, they go, well, you get tight. Sanct- sanctification. And I'm not talking Pentecostal kangaroo hopping. I'm not. I'm talking an inward Christ. A sanctifier of the Holy Spirit. Just like I told you, that Pentecostal ridiculous guy that I met uh, saying, you know, all he cared about is I, I, I swung from a chandelier and I, uh, I spoke in another language. And I said, no, the Holy Spirit is the one telling you, you need to be quiet. Oh, really? Yeah. It's the inner life. And he corrects us when we talk too much. And he squeezes our hearts when we don't talk enough. Because we're afraid or whatever. That's the sanctifying of God's Spirit. It's not bouncing like a kangaroo, shouting like that guy did till he passed out. I said, no, you just hyperventilated. It wasn't like you had an encounter with God, dude. You hyperventilated. And I hate that, that God gets that rap. Say, not so in your life. There's a beauty of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And there still is an, there still is an empowering of the Holy Ghost. I know that. There's still an empowering. There's still an enduing with power from on high. And you know what that enduing is? It's not for swinging on chandeliers. It's for doing the work of God. You're empowered how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So the outward endorsing, the outward outpouring of God is clothed with power from on high, and you need that. And you're clothed with that, not just to only have some, some prayer language, but to go about doing good. He endued, say endued with power. To undo those things in people's lives around me. That's what it's for, right? That's what, let's just put it in proper perspective and we'll be okay. If it's the end of the means where people want to do that other stuff, then they're in error. Right? Let everything be done. Say be done. But decently and in order. Because God's beautiful. God is, I hate to say the word because it sounds like hip, but he's cool. <laughs> he really is cool. He's so sound and wise and true. Then he goes on, and blessed be, next verse 3, blessed be, say blessed be, 
Do you remember last week we were reading Ephesians? Blessed be, Paul said, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Do you remember that? I just found another blessed be from Peter. The apostle Peter says, blessed be, speak well of God your Father. And of our Lord Jesus Christ, say, speak well. Who according to his great, why are we speaking well of him? Look at this. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. That's why we're speaking well. If you've been born again, why don't you tell God, thank you that I'm born again. Thank you that I'm born again. Thank you that I, I've been begotten of God. I'm born of the Father. I've been born again. I've been given a whole other nature. I've been born of an incorruptible seed. And he said, that's what we're going to bless him back. Because he's blessed us. And we're blessing him back because we're born again. Unto a living hope. Will you thank him? God, thank you that I got a living hope. It never dies. Against hope, I believe in hope. Against hope, I believe in hope. I got the God of all hope. I believe in hope, right? Speak well of him if you got living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain an inheritance. Say, obtain an inheritance. Say, he's given me an inheritance. Which is imperishable. Say, imperishable. Undefiled. Everything that God gives us is, is imperishable. It's forever. Say, it's forever. It's undefiled. That's how he does it will not fade away. Say, it's not fading away. Reserved in heaven for you. Listen, verse 5. Who are protected, say protected, by the power of God. Hear what I'm saying. I want you to get this today. That's where I wanted to go. Took a long time to get there, but that's all right, right? Who are protected. That, that word in the Greek is guarded, military term. I think I, I, think I, I actually stamped the Greek on it here. If not, Jimmy, you, maybe you can find it. It's in my it's a word study help one that I have in this see here. Protected, guarded, military, uh, garrison. Thank you, Arthur. Garrison. And there was a real neat one in the. Can you do this? This is what I always use. Oh, you got your no computer. Can you do um, that scripture, First Peter, and, and it says and at, behind it when you type in search Bible Hub, Bible Hub, H U B. I go like, First Peter, this is what I do. Simple guy, First Peter 1, 7 or whatever it is, Bible hub. And then it'll have that, it'll pull that Greek. And if you ever get that, let me know. But mostly in the word study, I think, it, it, the word help is, is really brings it out nice. I want you to get the full ramifications. I think I put it down. And listen, while you're on that, if you are a person that you're going to study the word of God, use that Bible hub, man. It's an easy tool. It's really simple. It leads you through Every scripture, the Greek, the Hebrew, uh, uh, helps. It's, it's really cool. It'll enhance. God can use it. Say use it to speak to you through it. Okay, here it is. I think I got part of this. It means another portion of it. I got it's sporadic over here. It means to be kept, say kept, in the right position, guarded by the power of God through faith unto salvation. It goes on. Guarded, to be kept in the proper position. See, if I could just type them in, in order, you guys wouldn't have to be waiting, but oh well. It really, it really puts a nice spin uh, uh, of depth on it. Anyway, I can't find it. So anyway, he says this, and if Jimmy gets it, I'll read it to you later. Who are protected, guarded, garrisoned by what? 
the power of God. Say the power of God. Say he's with me, the power of God. And then he adds, that's his part. Say that's his part. And then my part is through faith. Say through faith. For salvation ready to be revealed in the last times. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now, say now, for a little while, say a little while, say not forever, say a little while, this too shall pass. If necessary, I don't know how long it is, if necessary, when I read if necessary, it means I probably didn't get the trial, so I'm going to stay there a little longer. Say, I don't want to do that. Tell your neighbor, I'm making the most of my test. I'm making most of the trial. If necessary, you have been distressed by various and have been distressed by various trials. So the Darby translation says, so that the proving, say the proving, proving of your faith, being more precious, say more precious than gold. And I used to read it like that. It is. It's twofold. That, that the proving of my faith, not my elementary faith, say not the elementary faith. Oh, there's two people that said not elementary faith, but the proving faith, the kind of faith that's transforming people, like those that you heard last week. The proving of my faith being more precious than gold. Say it has value. Which is perishable. Gold is, right? Even tested by fire. That means it's hot when you're in the proving of faith. That it may be found resulting in, say resulting in, praise, glory, and honor at the re- revealing or the unveiling of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him. You greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, say your faith, that progressive salvation, that next level of salvation for your souls. And he says in Darby, it's the proving of our faith. And I'm telling you, and I'm going to close it with this. A lot of you are in that situation, the proving of your faith. And it's, it's valuable like gold, but not only is he saying that, he's saying it's, it's, it works in the process like gold. He says that it's not only good as gold, but in the process is how you get that gold. Gold goes through fires and purifies, and you know that purifies. And you heard people say that last week. That was, that was the beginning of approving of their faith, right? That a purifying of their faith, that all of a sudden only Christ comes out. Worry is diminished. And faith begins to come to the surface. That's the purifying of your faith. The proving of your faith. A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with a story or an argument. I remember a friend of mine told me that. So when you're improving faith, that's different than elementary faith. I'm going to get this to you. Because elementary faith is Hebrews chapter 6. Have faith toward God. Are you hearing me? Elementary faith is I received Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. Say, thank you that I have that faith. Elementary faith is, he says, I learned how to repent. Elementary faith says I've learned about doctrines of baptism. Elementary faith says all those things in Hebrews 6. Say elementary faith. Proven faith is a whole different dynamic. Some people, like I told you, have faith for forgiveness. But if they're, the next level is they've got to awaken to the, they're born again. They've got to awaken so they have a new, they're a new creation. You've got to awaken to that. See, people spend millions of dollars trying to build their education and their minds. But how many will build their spiritual prowess where the wisdom of God exists? See, we're Christians. And Paul said, hey, Christian, you've got wisdom that Jesus Christ has been made unto you. Wisdom and righteousness. And he said, the hidden mysteries of wisdom aren't hidden to you anymore. He said that 
eye has not seen nor ear heard nor entered in the heart of man that the things that God has prepared for him. He said, but God has revealed them to you. Tell your neighbor, revealed them to you. The mysteries of his will. That's what he says. Those hidden mysteries are revealed to us, right? And then if you look at those chapters and verses, you'll highly esteem this work of God in the proving of faith. You'll highly esteem it that it's like gold. You'll highly esteem it because it will remain for God, right? Because faith is basically this anymore. Standing in God, standing for God, standing against his enemy. That's the purifying of faith, the proving of faith. Don't you know Ephesians 1 is the position that God gave us? You're seated with him in a heavenly place. Don't you know Ephesians 2 talks about the condition that we were in when we were lost and undone? Ephesians 3 is progressing. Say progressing. The third chapter says we're the dwelling place of God. And we're supposed to, to dwell in us individually and corporately. And we're not to be visitors of his presence, but dwellers in his presence. In the fourth chapter, he said, quit walking in darkness like the world. Awake up and walk in light and walk in truth and walk in the new creation. Say new creation. And he said, take off the old guy. Live in the new. Say progression. In the fifth chapter, he said, now that you're walking in light, you're my bride and you're in a good position. You're in a submission and you know the love of God and you're being nourished. But that doesn't stop. Say it doesn't stop in Ephesians 5. It stops in the sixth chapter and that's part of his goal. And he says, now that you've been through all that, you're my soldier. You're not just standing for yourself. You're standing for me. You're standing against an enemy. That's my enemy. That's your enemy. And that's why I gave you armor. And I wanted to make you a warrior. Say a warrior. And that's where we're going. See, that's where God progresses us. It's about him and for him. So some of these battles don't think it a strange thing that you're in the proving of faith. Because he's making a man of God and a woman of God out of you. He's going to make a warrior out of you. Say a warrior. He's going to strengthen you with a faith. That's unfeigned. That's not pretentious. That's not fake. Faith unfeigned, he says in Timothy. A pure faith. A pure faith by what? By the trial and situation that you're in. And how you handle that trial is how long you stay in it. And the proving of our faith, he said it's a beautiful thing. And I want you to esteem it like that. Just like he was saying over here in prayer. And I hope I'm saying it right. But thank you for the place I'm in. Not for the trial. Thank you for the place I'm in. Because I'm learning a lot from you. My heart's being purified in a big way. And I'm getting a faith like gold by this fire that's very hot. And the fact of the matter is we all get uncomfortable. But we're not coming out of that until we're processed in that. And having done all the stand, we stand. And we grab a real faith from God. And I don't want to teach any more. I'm going to go on another day. I'll give you a prelude maybe. Because I, I was, I've been in this thing with prayer and talking to these people and, and, uh, and talking to my own soul. And you have faith, the faith of God, but there's a next level. Say a next level. i never seen it so clearly, but I was praying the other day and all the times I see Jesus instructing. Luke 17, he says, uh, they, they go, hey, increase our faith. And, and he goes, okay, let me explain to you. Okay, if you have faith the size of a seed. And he starts illustrating. He, he's so patient and so kind, right? He starts teaching and illustrating. There's a parable. It's like a seed. And you put it in the ground and you do this. And, and you guys, okay, so you're going to have faith. And faith is like this. And faith is like that. And he, he's real teachy and parable. But I never seen him change the demeanor. When I was praying, is Mark 11, chapter, uh, I think, 12 through uh, 24. I never seen such a demeanor change in the Lord. And I put next to my note, and maybe we'll do it next week, if God permitting, that it's zeal believing. It's warrior believing. It's a different order of faith. 
And Jesus, all the other times, he's illustrating, say illustrating. He's training them, and he's educating them. But then there's times he's imparting, charging right in that moment. And Mark in the 11th chapter, and I know it seems like a long, I'm not going to make it a long day, but get this, get this. On the 11th chapter of Mark, he begins to unfold, and you begin to see his heart. And you can go over it on your own. Maybe we'll go over it again next week, but... He goes through this situation in his heart, and he goes to a tree that he says he has a lot of leaves, right? A lot of big showiness, but it has no fruit. And he's kind of aggravated, right? Say aggravated. He has a zeal, and I wish I knew what that word zeal meant, but it means fire. It has something to do with a zeal, a burning desire. And he went to that tree, and that tree, people go, well, he got mad at a tree. He wasn't mad on the tree. If you look at where he was going, he was going to big religions, leafiness with no fruitfulness. And he deals with that with the big institutional churches, but he deals with in our own lives as well. If we're just showy leaves, gold-looking, fake gold, and not fruit-bearing, he gets a little zeal towards us. I want you to bear much fruit. This is how my father's glorified. I want you to have fruit. I want fruitfulness, not pretentiousness. I want fruit. So he wasn't mad at a tree and everybody goes, hey, what's Jesus flipping out, man? He's mad at a tree? No, he said he looked at the tree and he said something to it. Say he spoke to it. And, it's, and, and the Bible says they heard it. Let's go there. Uh, I call him Tony. What was that? Who was Tony? I was was in another city. Yo, Tony, put it up there. Forget about it. Is it 20? 20th verse? Because a lot of you are moving in that place of proving of your faith to this next phase of faith. And it's it's a warrior faith. It's a more aggressive faith. It's a zeal impressed faith. It's a fiery faith. And in the morning when they were passing along, they noticed that the fig tree was withered completely. Where is it that they heard him say it? Is it 12? And they heard him. And they heard him say it. Say unto it. Is it 14th verse? All right. And he said to it, No one ever again shall eat fruit from you. And his disciples were listening. Say listening. And his disciples heard him. Did you hear Jimmy, I think it was last week or the other week, and he was talking about the bosom and John, John, uh, the apostle John laying on his bosom, and, and he heard, he heard how would you word it? It's something like that. They overheard it or close enough to hear the whisper. See, those are, when you, when you get an equipping gift up here and, and, a, and a teaching gift, that teaching gift teaches you how to approach the word of God and pay attention. Say, pay attention. So my Uncle Danny always says, pay attention for crying out loud. Pay attention to what he's saying. Those small things make a big difference. When he said, and listen, and the disciples were listening. Say they were listening. They paid attention. They caught something. And then he went on as the, as the verses unfold. And he went on to, uh, to that city and he started doing some things. Say he had that intent in his mind the whole time. Jesus wasn't mad at trees. He's an eco-friendly guy. <laughs> he, he's not mad at trees. I'm with Matthew. No wonder why I can't find it. Mark 11. And it says in 12, On the next day, when they had left Bethany, he became hungry and he cursed the tree. He said, he said this, 
They'll, they'll not find anything on you. Say he cursed it. They heard it. And then he said, and his disciples were listening. Say they were listening. In this next level of faith, you're going to have to say some things. And uh, I'm not talking about flaky. I'm talking about faith inspired. You're going to have to say some things and not be afraid. Most, see, it takes nothing to, be, to not believe anything. You, you're, you're going to have to line up your loyalty to, to Christ and his word really are. And you're going to have to put what he said in your mouth and say it so other people hear it. So when people ask you, why do you live like you do? You can't just say nothing. You're going to have to say and give an account. I live like this because of Jesus. They heard her, right? They heard you say something. Or you're saying, what's going on in your life? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm believing God for a, a complete healing, a sign of healing, a manifestation of healing in this situation. And you're going to have to say that thing. But most people, most men that I've, that I've grown in, they're too afraid to say some things. And that's why faith is not really functioning in a degree in their lives. Because they, they want to keep it safe. And you're not going to be safe in faith. You're going to have to step out of the boat when it's rocking and get out and try to walk on some water. And it is a little bit of a risk to our minds, but you're going to have to say something and not be afraid of that. Not afraid of people's judgments. Not afraid of people saying, that can't happen for you. Not afraid of any of that, but saying it. And they heard it. So people are going to have to do that. So to position you in that place, you're going to have to begin to say some things. Say faith things. They're real things. I'm not encouraging anybody to be ultra-faith or ultra-flaky. I'm just saying... God ordained saying. Are you listening to me? I want you to get it because I want you to take it into this week because you may need it. You may need it. A lot of people needed it last week. And he goes on and says, uh, and they heard him, right? And Because the disciples were listening. And then they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and began to drive out. Say drive out. See, because when you're functioning in this faith, this kind of faith, you're going to have to drive some things out. Later in the verses, he said, have the faith of God. That's what he asked. When Peter said, hey, what's happening? He goes, have the faith of God. Every translation says that. Every Greek, every Latin Vulgate, every translation says that. Though religious people will not say that. Every translation says, have the faith of God. Not, he didn't just say, have faith toward God and call for him to come down. No, not in this level, in the next moving. He's saying like Paul the Apostle, say not come down, for the, weird, the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, it's coming out of you. He's saying, don't call down fire, I'm the fire of God, release it from in you. That's the word of faith which we preach, he said. It's another kind of faith, it's in you. Say the God kind of faith's in me. If you've been born again, you have the faith of God. Say, I have the faith of God. If you're afraid to say it, say it till you believe it. Because you have it anyway. And so that kind of faith starts driving things out. Say it drives things out. It drives things out of our minds. It drives things out of our belief systems, our philosophies that Paul said he took on the whole Greek culture. Paul took on the whole Greek culture and, and drove things out. Say I'm driving it out. And those who were buying and selling in the temple, he overturned. Say I'm driving out things in this temple. And I'm overturning things in this temple. Things that don't belong there, I'm driving out. Things that don't belong there, I'm overturning. And it says, the third thing he did in 16, it says, and he would not permit anyone. And there's some things you're just not going to permit anymore. By the faith of God. Say, by the faith of God. Say this with me. By the faith of God, I'm overturning some things. Say, by the faith of God, I'm overturning. By the faith of God, I'm driving out some things. By the faith of God, I'm not permitting some things. For my father's house shall be called the house of prayer. Say right here. House of prayer for all the nations. Amen. 
Say, I'm a house of prayer. I'm overturning things. That's the heart of the Father. So he goes through all that, and you know what's on his mind, and you see him unfolding that. And then he goes on to the 20th verse. And they were passing by in the morning. And they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. From the roots up. Say the roots up. There was no more life in that thing. The roots provide to the fruit. Amen? And he killed that whole thing that was killing everything else. That whole religious issue that he was dealing with. And he, says, and he be, and said, being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look at the fig tree. Isn't this like all they always are asking and learn? Look at the fig tree, which you cursed. It's withered away. And Jesus answered, saying to them. And I was praying this, and I never felt the strength like I felt the strength of it. And permit me to enter into the time of prayer that I had that I can give it to you. And he said this. He didn't just say, Lord, increase our faith. And they begin to teach calmly, and they sit by a shore. Or maybe they sit on a boat, and he begins to revelate to them. He didn't say that right here. He, he still, if you permit the revelation, he still had fire in his eyes. He still had zeal from the day before, overturning tables and all the fake things in religion. He still had fire. And on the next day when Peter asked him, and he said, Master, man, I, I remember what you said. And he didn't explain anything. He turned to him and said, Have the faith of God. Do you feel the fire that he said? The same zeal that he was throwing tables over. He looked at him and he didn't explain anything. He said, have the faith of God, Peter. And still fire in his eyes. Still zeal in his eyes. Have the faith of God. You saw what I did. I overturned some things. You seen what I did? I'm not permitting some things. Have that faith of God, Peter. And what I did, you're going to do. That's a charge. That's a charge to all of us for the faith of God. That's a charge. We're not asking God do this, God do that. He said, have that faith, and I want you to be aggressive with that faith. I have a zeal with that faith, faith, a fire with that faith. And he said, you're going to have to have to move mountains in your life, to slay giants in your life, to go against these big things, your human philosophy, and all these huge uh, things. Oh, some people, man, they're more loyal to the government than they are to the Word of God. Woe be unto us. We've got to snap out of it. We are Christians. Say, I'm a Christian. Tell your neighbor, I'm not Irish. I'm not Italian. I'm a Christian. That's who I am first. I belong to a kingdom. Say, I belong to a kingdom. I don't belong to any city. I belong to a kingdom. My identity is there. So is yours. Have the faith of God, he said. And then he said, if you want to move large things in your life, this is how you're going to do it. And he charged him some more. And he said, Peter, next verses, whosoever will, say will, say, he's charging us to do this, say, whosoever will. And I tell these guys, young man, he goes, well, I'm not feeling anything. Young woman, I'm not feeling anything. No, God's going to use your will for something more than rebelling against him. He's going to use your will to cooperate with him. The will of God. Have faith, the faith of God. Whosoever will, will, say will. I choose to believe what he said, even before I feel it. Whosoever will, say unto this mountain, say, say, say. Not be afraid to communicate your faith. Not be afraid to say what you're believing for. Don't care about people's judgment. Get on out of the boat and get to walking on some water. The only way you're getting out there is to, I choose to, and I say this right now. Whosoever will say to this mountain, say mountain, say big, huge things, impossible things, 
giant things. I have the faith of God. Jesus charged Peter and he's charging me today. Be lifted up and be thrown into the sea. And will not doubt. Say, I will not doubt. I told a person the other day, God won't make you do it and Satan can't make you do it. Stand strong. Put on your big boy pants. Stand up. The guy with the legion of devils, he couldn't even make him not worship Jesus. He had a legion, I don't know, 120 demons or demonized, and he fell down at the knees of Jesus and worshiped him. You're not that demonized, are you? I don't know. Some of you. I don't know. Satan can't stop you. And God won't. You got a will. Use it for more than rebelling against God's will. You spend all your life saying no to God and yes to Satan. Today's the day to say yes to God and no to Satan. That's the will of God. That's the faith of God. And will not doubt, but will believe that those things which he says. I'm not talking willpower alone. God spoke through his word, inspired our faith with substance, and now we add our will to join faith and what a team the will and the faith are. And will not doubt in his heart, but will believe. Say, I choose to. Some days, I'm not inspired to. Some days, when I hear doctor's reports, I'm not inspired to. But I choose to believe, and Satan can't take my choosing. I choose to believe she's healed. I choose to believe whatever. I choose to believe. He can't take away what you choose. So don't let him say he's not your friend. And will not doubt, but will believe that those things which he says will be done, it shall be done. And therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire, church, when you pray, believe that you have received it and you shall have it. Do you hear the charge in that? It's not the same as him explaining about a parable. He's imparting and charging and saying, if you've got huge things in your life, get up and take your place. Get up and take a stand. Get up and take my word. You've got the faith of God. I've equipped you with that. i positioned you with that. Say it. Decide to. And hang on. Hang on. Hang on. And some of you that, that don't get it, you, you're going to get in one of these situations. I don't wish it on anyone. But you better catch your equipping now. One thing, dude, God said, I would that men always pray and not faint, lose heart. You better start believing right now for, uh, for your dime and quarter needs instead of when you're facing a cancer maybe in another day. And if you stay asleep in the house, I'm saying, wake up, men of God. Wake up. Wake up and begin to take hold of God. Begin to take hold of his words. Begin to say what he says. Begin to believe what he believes. Wake up. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, say, Father, I'm praying right now. In the name of Jesus, I receive an impartation of your spirit, of the spirit of faith, of a mountain-moving faith, of the zeal of the Lord of hosts kind of faith, a zeal in believing kind of faith, a standing faith. A non-shrinking back faith. One that I choose to believe. One that I stand in. Stand for. Stand against. For your sake. For your name's sake. For the next generation. We thank you. That you always hear us. Not for our sake. 
but those for their sake, that it might be known. Right now, I receive. Right now, I believe. Right now, I hold fast. Right now, I lay hold of eternal life. Right now, I believe every promise of God is yes and amen. Right now, it surely comes to pass. Right now, no word of God is void of power of fulfillment. Right now, right now, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. Not even going to try <laughs> to wrap all that up. There's so much there. So much there. Uh, maybe next week i give a little testimony about some of that. But uh, thank God for reminding us, prompting us. That's a challenge that he, he just led us through to, to take hold of that kind of faith. When you see Anna Marie jump up and stand, that's a challenge for every one of us. Jump up and stand with that kind of faith. Wow. Boy, there's a lot there today. I will say that there's a reason that Jesus said, that if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. There's work to be done beyond salvation of the cross. There's work to be done in your life day to day from now on. And that's a lot of what Craig talked about today. And a lot of that has to be, do with that, that purification, that sanctification of our faith and our walk. Well, there's more to come. More to come. Arthur. The invitation today is just I. The invitation today is to say, I am willing to hang on the cross. I am willing to do whatever you say, God. That's the invitation today. It's I. I will do Whosoever means I. It doesn't mean whosoever out there. It doesn't mean whosoever uh, my relative. It's I. That's the invitation today. And then let God unfold it in your life. And then let God take you step by step every place. Because there is a force against you, whether it be your own soul or whether it be Satan. There is a force against you. And so, therefore, you've got to say, in the heat of the battle, I made a commitment to Jesus Christ to not stay where I'm at. I'm going to go forward. I. I'm not going to give up. I choose today, right now, to go forward in God.